let's talk about some of those storylines. And the big one, in my opinion, is the MVP race because it's so tight right now. Who do you feel is the MVP? You know, you know, I feel like LeBron James, you know, I feel like there's nothing you can't associate him with when it comes to excellence in basketball. And, you know, it's not one of those things where, you know, and not, not trying to get on anybody's bandwagon or trying to overhype LeBron James. He can do that all by himself. But it's something about this year in terms of the mentality that he has, the ability to lock up the one seed for the Lakers, who are not really a deep team. I think that gets misconstrued so often about the fact that, yes, LeBron James is on that team, which makes them a very strong team. But surrounded by him um, is not really a lot of great players in terms of being able to do what he needs players to do for him this far in his career. I mean, I can't think of one guard besides maybe my guy Alex Caruso who can, like, create, like, you know, create for himself, really. I mean, Rondo's up in age. Quinn Cook is a shooter to me. Danny Green is a shooter to me. AD, he's great, but I feel like the best way that you can get AD involved is someone like LeBron James giving him the ball. So, I mean, for LeBron James to be averaging near triple-double for himself, uh, double-digit assists just shows off his basketball IQ. It's no hate to Giannis, but I do just genuinely feel like in a harder conference with similar, if not somewhat better statistical output in terms of an overall game, um, not just, you know, the astounding stuff like blocks or PER, for example. I mean, LeBron James' impact on the game as a whole for a team that's not that strong, i got to give it to him. So I think LeBron is – I'm. there's no doubt that LeBron is one of the greatest players of all time. I think he's had the most dominant 17-year stretch of any player in the NBA. Um, but if we cannot ignore how good Giannis is this year. He is the most dominant big man in the NBA. Third in points, third in rebounds. He has a high PER. Like, it's – I think he, I think he almost wins by association because he's on the best team. That team, I, I said this before, and I'll say it again. I think Milwaukee has is one of the deepest teams in terms of roster in the NBA. I think they, their roster is incomparable in the Eastern Conference. You can clearly identify Giannis as the star of this team, and you surround him with great players. Of course, they're not like big names like Eric Bledsoe. I mean, Chris Middleton's becoming a, a big star now, but you're not surrounding him. You're, you're surrounding him with key pieces, and that's what I think he needed, and he's succeeding with these key pieces. I think that's – I mean, I think that's a fire take. I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, I feel like – this year's MVP race was a toss-up because of the idea of storylines having such an impact on where it is. Is Giannis the two-timer back-to-back? Um, you know, first since I mean Steph Curry, which I mean it wasn't that very wasn't that long ago. Um, is it LeBron who, in you know one of the latest stretches career-wise, year 17, we're talking about getting the MVP. Um, something that even like a dominant big man back in history like Karl Malone couldn't even do for example so it's one of those things where it's like longevity versus the new up and coming it has that you know that clash that
really can make it like a coin flip when they get up to the podium and say who it is. And I wouldn't really be mad at whoever does get selected because, I mean, both of them really showed out. And, I mean, it shows in their overall team production for sure. Yeah, like I'm not going to discount what James Harden has done throughout this season. Like I think James Harden's a phenomenal guard, a phenomenal player. But if, again, we're talking about overall, I think Giannis has this one. LeBron, I I say he's a close second. I said this – I think we talked about this a while ago. Um, I think LeBron now is proving that he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. But Giannis, for me, has the MVP this season. That's fair. That's fair, for sure. Another um, storyline that we were talking about, Rookie of the Year. I know you mentioned how, how good Ja Morant was. Do you feel Ja Morant is the Rookie of the Year? I feel like he had it locked up midway through the year. Um, the, the people that could be inserted into the, the equation, Zion, I feel like he didn't play enough games. I don't feel like that's fair to give somebody – um, rookie of the year based off again almost potential what where could the Pelicans have been if he had played the full time um, where could um, Zion be in the all-star ranking if he had played from the beginning of the year like things like that still giving him the award based off potential Kendrick Nunn definitely pro- definitely produced for the Miami Heat what I say he's the reason why the Miami Heat are where they are in the standings, I can't I can't give them that. Duncan Robinson's been shooting lights out. Tyler Hero is shooting lights out. Jimmy Butler is what makes that team go. Can't sleep on Bam Adebayo for anything because he is taking huge strides in um, year three, so that's big time. But I can't say he's the reason why they're winning. I can say um, with a ton of confidence that John Morant is the engine that has made this Memphis team go. And, is I mean, he's playing on a team that was expected to win less than 30 games coming into the year, and they are in the A spot no matter what anybody says. That's where they are. And, I mean, that sounds like earned keep to me. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's definitely a good take because John Morant is one of the most exciting players I've seen. And, once again, I'm not – I'm not downplaying what Zion and Kendrick Nunn have been able to do this season, especially Kendrick Nunn considering he's undrafted and he's, he's doing well on a very talented Miami Heat team. Um, but John Morant's one of the reasons why Memphis has been able to turn it around. I think his pairing with Jaron Jackson makes for one of the great young dynamic duos in the NBA. Um, this is the only downfall that I see John Morant not winning Rookie of the Year is this return and the play-in. So you, we mentioned that you know teams are going to be able to come back. One of those teams is the Pelicans. If Memphis struggles and the Pelicans win games, specifically if Zion plays well and helps them win, the Pelicans' push for the playoffs could be Zion's case for winning Rookie of the Year. Really? Yeah. I, a I couple think, of games? I thought, well, I did not know if it was a – was it a one-game tournament? that they decided on for the 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 uh the teams that weren't or the teams that were playing for the eight seed. So in terms of the play in, they're still voting on ratifying it first. They still have to vote to ratify it first before everything gets like put together. But the idea is that the bottom half of the teams within that conference would end up doing a play in tournament. I don't 
that's something that as we continue to learn about whether it's NCAA style or they play best of three, that'll be what really determines. But I, I feel like even if, even if there is a play-in, I don't know how just simply making the postseason is worth enough to give him rookie of the year. I mean, again, we have to remember, and this is something that typically gets thrown over people's heads sometimes, is rookie of the year doesn't mean you're the best rookie. Rookie, uh, rookie of, yeah, uh, rookie of the year doesn't mean you're the best rookie. Uh, MVP doesn't mean you're the best player in the league. What it means is that you had the best statistical output. You had the greatest impact on your team in that season, season as an entirety. And, I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, don't get me wrong, Zion has earned his keep too. But tell me tell me if I'm crazy to think that they were playing him on limited minutes. They were playing him in a way where they wouldn't let him get on back, basically get in on back-to-backs. If he were playing the whole year, I don't think he would have played a majority of the season, even if he came in healthy just out of certain things that they were focusing on with health concerns and this whole, you know, um, rest player movement thing they're doing about do basically taking DMPs to get, you know, get some rest on away games and back-to-backs and things like that. I just feel like Zion is, is and would have been getting protected to the point that, yes, he would have statistically put out the same numbers potentially over the entirety of the season, but would his impact have shown regardless of these things would he would they would every time he step on the floor it translates into wins if he only plays 50 games you know do they win so 40 30 40 of them or only 15 to 20 that's the tough part because like i was talking about this with a couple of my friends does zion does zion deserve the mvp if no he's played less games i don't think he does because john morant has been I think he's been the clear rookie of the year favorite from the start of the season to, of course, the halt right now. Um, But I think Zion's making a strong case. I don't know how they're going to determine rookie of the year. I don't think they're going to – or they they may look at games played, but I don't think that will be the overlying factor. I I think definitely you look at, like, how well he's played since he's been on the court. And he's definitely helped the Pelicans to be a better team. If you look at Memphis, the real True. star, the real star is John ja Moran. But you pair him with Jaron Jackson, like I said earlier, that that's a duo that is not only going to be great now, but they're going to be great in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely like a huge storyline to look out for. But I'm also looking at these other awards as well. Defensive Player of the Year. Do you think that Giannis will claim the Defensive Player of the Year? I feel like this might be one of the easiest awards to hand out because of the fact that the normal people we're used to giving them to aren't really in play. I mean, Draymond was having a very down year without all, you know, his buddies and Clay and Steph being able to help space the floor and kind of, you know, alleviate a lot of the responsibility and pressure of, you know, being able to win on a consistent basis. And they kind of got off year. Um, Rudy Gobert, I think, I 
feel like Rudy Gobert is one of those type of players that almost kind of just plays for defense, defensive player of the year just out of the fact that, like, he is not the type that produces on the offensive end as a big man the way the game is moving towards. Giannis is the type that, as a two-way player, he could potentially be the most dominant two-way player we've seen in a while, and that's including LeBron James, just because now we're talking about Giannis as the guy who, when he gets a three-point shot, he's going to be scary. Well, we we said the same thing about LeBron, but we're talking about somebody who is doing this a bit younger on a team that is a little bit more built around him around the time we're talking about this. Because, I mean, when we're talking about with LeBron, he had Booby Gibson and guys like that around him where he came into the league, and he was one of those that, like, if he turned into a shooter, he was going to be dangerous. And he's improved his, his three-point shooting for sure. Still kind of lacking in the free throw department, but it doesn't mean that, you know, he hasn't stepped up in that in that area. But Giannis, we're saying, we're, we're asking those questions about his ability to shoot. But he's on a team full of shooters. So it's almost like the one weakness he has is getting catered to. So being able to be effective on a defensive end the way he has, I mean, it's almost it almost makes up for anything that he doesn't. So I mean, I feel like it's almost the easiest award to give out. Yeah, I I agree. I think he's the clear favorite, and I think this is also significant because he will be the third player to win both the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year in the same year. The last two were uh, Michael Jordan and uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. So I think that's something for Giannis to have, and I I think he's earned it as well. And you said earlier that he, that even though he's not the best shooter, the team is that that he's surrounded with, he has some great shooters. So right. those key pieces, I think, are beneficial for him. Sixth man of the year, do you think Lou Williams goes back to back? No, to be honest with you, I feel like if he gets it, I feel like everybody would say, of course. But I feel like there are some guys in his way. I mean, Dennis Schroeder for the Thunder cannot be slept on, averaging 15-plus off the bench for a team that we thought was going to get blown up before the year started. Montrezl Harrell is on his team. That is a two-way player right there. I mean, is he elite both ways? No, he's an aggressive finisher inside that they dump it to. He has a problem on a defensive and in terms of being able to go against some of the better big men in the league. He's a little bit undersized, but that's what makes it impressive. So I think, like, you know, I wouldn't say it's like Lou, Lou Will versus Jamal Crawford close the way it's been in the past. But I would say it's one of those things where he definitely has a little bit of competition to the point that, like, if if one of those other guys was selected, I don't even think he would be shocked, to be honest. I think this is the closest race, in my opinion. I don't think MVP is the closest race. I think sixth man is the closest race because there's so many great candidates. Lou Williams, of course, is coming off a great season. And, of course, his teammate, Harold, is one of the best defenders in the league. And then you add Schroeder, who's shooting 19 a game, 
on an Oklahoma City team that was not supposed to be as good as they are right now. However, I think Lou, I think Lou Williams has this one, has this award. Mm. I simply think he is the best sixth man in the NBA. I just think his shooting ability is amazing. And I think if you, he, if you need a guy to come off the bench in the final seconds of the game, this is the perfect guy. I really can't. I mean, I really, I think that I agree with you. I think, I definitely think the biggest takeaway is that this is going to be one of the tougher six man a year races. Lou Will is definitely one of those that almost steps in like a starter. So it's hard to undermine what he's done this season, what he's done in past seasons. Um, like I said, I just think he's going to get a run for his money because I mean, uh, Harold on his own team, like I said, that boy's a problem. And I don't know. And I think, the biggest thing I think is slept on about Harold is the fact that he is Lou Will's pick and roll partner off that bench. And he is the product of Lou Will in a certain respect in terms of how he's able to perform off the ball and be able to set screens for Lou and different things like that. But Without that screener, without that roller, with that pick-and-pop game that Harold is starting to develop from that mid-range, he is almost becoming the alpha of that partnership. Um, it might not show necessarily from a statistical standpoint, but when you see how teams are playing the defense, they're harping on Lou and forcing him to give the ball away. And Harold's converting. And that's that's a big takeaway from it because the idea is that Harold, you know, he just looks like a defensive stocky guy. He just seems like the type that wants to block two or three shots a game, maybe get a couple power dunks and go ahead about his business. He's developing an inside game. The post moves are slowly but surely coming in there, but that internal uh, shooting game in terms of 10 feet in is developing. And I think it's one of those things that, I mean, if he doesn't win it now, He's going to take it soon, for sure. Yeah, I think all the points that you mentioned are exactly why I think Harrell is a great defender and he's turning into a great offensive player as well. But you need somebody to convert the big shots. Harrell helps create the shot, but it's up to Williams to make the shot. And, that's, and most of the time, he's been able to do that this season especially coming off the bench. So I think, I, I think that's definitely something to look at. Harold, I definitely think, will win one. If not this year, it will be next year. He, he will be somebody to reckon with in the future. What about most improved, play, most improved player? Um, I mean, I feel like I could go to a lot of different people, though. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of different guys we can look at. Duncan Robinson slept on I mean he was in the G League last year for a majority of the time comes in and he's a spark plug <laughs> you know right off the rip um I feel like guys like Shay too Shay Gilgis Alexander for the Thunder I mean you could say that it was just that his role was was reduced for the Clippers but the ability to end up on a new team like the Thunder with new responsibilities, 
um, maybe not to be the guy, but to be a primary option in the offense, unlike how things were um, with the Clippers, where he was more of kind of a cog of a overall system that still relied on guys like Lou Williams and uh, Tobias Harris at one point when he was in the mix of that team, Danilo Gallinari at one point, um, players like that to harbor most of the offensive load. So for him to be able to step up on this Thunder team and contribute alongside Chris Paul, alongside Dennis Schroeder, these three-guard setups, which can get kind of difficult when everybody needs to get their hand on the ball or everybody wants to get their hands on the ball. Those are definitely two guys that I feel like I definitely feel like they they stepped up to the challenge of what their team presented for them and they converted at a high rate. I I think most improved player goes to Brandon Ingram. Struggled in LA, he now has a rebirth in New Orleans. He's a much better player than what we saw in LA. I I was calling I, I was thinking that he would be a bust because he was the second overall pick. Nobody really had faith in him. But now he's in New Orleans, and he's not only improved in his shooting, but he's also improved in his confidence as a player. And I think with a young core that's surrounding him, they have good chemistry together on the floor. I mean, I definitely think that, I mean, his new opportunity in New Orleans is what is giving him the boost that he needs, the freedom that he needs. Playing along uh, alongside a player like LeBron James, as much as he said, you know, entering these late years that he wants to try to play around guys that can create their own shot and do things on their own, um, he's still a ball dominant player. And a player like Brandon Ingram, um, I feel like he has the tools in the package overall to be a number one and number two scoring option on a perennial playoff team. And somebody like LeBron James does not necessarily allow that because Ingram is a ISO heavy turnaround jumper, murder you from the mid-range type of player. And having to work off ball as much as sometimes LeBron James can force, I think it didn't allow him to fully express those uh, tools that he has. I think New Orleans is what really gave him the chance to do it, and we saw it through the fact that, you know, he got voted to his first All-Star game this year. I think he's better with the ball in his hands, and I just don't think the setup with LeBron would have worked as well as a lot of people hoped it would have worked. I said last year that the Lakers weren't going to make the playoff because LeBron was surrounded by a young core and they weren't going to develop well or even gel together as a team. That issue has now changed in New Orleans because there's a lot of young players on that team. Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball. We said we were talking about Brandon Ingram, Jackson Hayes, and then you add Zion to the mix as well. I mean, this is a young core that will eventually develop into – in, into a dominant lineup at some point, especially in a competitive Western Conference where there's a lot of young players getting time to shine. But with New Orleans, I think there's something special about this team. I, I think the team is now really starting to gel together. I didn't think so early in the season because they were struggling, but I think when they had Zion, I think there was a newfound energy with the team. Definitely, definitely. And Brandon Ingram has a lot to do with that. 
So the last award is coach of the year. Do you think Nick Nurse has the best chance of winning? I feel like there's a lot of coaches that get slept on with this award. Um, Nate McMillan would have to be mine. Uh, I mean, call it what you want, but a Pacers team that was without Victor Oladipo for a good portion of the time was relying on guard play from guys like TJ McConnell, um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon being in and out of the lineup due to injury. Um, it was just a, a lot of adversity in the Eastern Conference that's starting to slowly improve. And by next year, I don't think we will be disrespecting the East as much as we've had in years past. So for the Pacers to have a better record than a team like the 76ers, for example, speaks volumes about how he is as a coach in terms of preaching teams and being able to overcome something like how Philly doesn't have to is the talent gap. Um, they have Joel Embiid, they have Ben Simmons, they have Tobias Harris, they have Al Horford. <laughs> the Pacers didn't have anybody like that for majority of the year. And even with Victor Oladipo back, I would say he maybe is the third best player out of the players I listed. Potentially, if I would say at best. So, I mean, my personal award um, would go towards him. I think Nick Nurse overcame a lot of the obstacles that came with losing a, a player like Kawhi Leonard in, in free agency. I feel like that's that can't go unnoticed. But Nick McMillan, I mean, I just really feel like he has gotten glossed over a few years in a row in terms of how he's produced with the Pacers, and one of these years, he's going to have to get it because he can't just keep getting slept on like this. I think Nate, Nate McMillan has done great things with that team, especially considering that Victor Oladipo has become one of the better guards in the league. I think the way he's he's been able to develop, especially coming out of uh, the situations in Orlando and Oklahoma City, I think he's been able to get – I think he's been able to thrive – in a, in a system like the Pacers have. However, if I'm going coach of the year, I have to say Billy Donovan. Um, this, Like I said earlier, I don't think this team was supposed to be this good. Um, but we added, but when you add underrated players on this team, like Danilo Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, all three are averaging 19 points a game. And then you add, you still have Steven Adams. And then you pick up Chris Paul on, on that. And now you have, and now you have the fifth best team in the West. Right. The way he's been able to coach all these, the way he's been able to coach and develop these, the younger players like Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think has given him a, a, a right to win coach of the year. I think, also, when you combine that with losing Russell Westbrook and Paul George, I think he's had to revamp this team, and I think it's worked for him for the better. I definitely agree. I mean, they were my they were my surprise team coming into this season just because I believe so much in Shea. I think that Billy Donovan has showed that he can coach, though. Um, 
I used to have my gripes with the fact that there was a point where he had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Are you really coaching? You know, um, the first thing I think of is when Kerr started handing out the clipboard to his players for Golden State. Well, I mean, if you got two MVPs, like soon to be MVPs, I mean, Kevin Durant was at the time, uh, Russell Westbrook to become, I mean, how much are you really doing? But I think this year, Chris Paul has a lot to do with it from an on-court presence. But I really think that you have a point to say that Billy Donovan actually is kind of proved his case that he actually is a good coach in this league and it's not just been relying on the star power of players that have been drafted into the OKC system. So, I mean, I think that that's a good pick. And I feel like that's what makes this year's race so interesting is that there were a lot of surprise teams this year. Okay, he just happened to be one of them. Like I said earlier, I don't think Nate McMillan is 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 getting the credit that he deserves. He's mm-hmm. he's coached a very good Pacers team. The problem is they've never been able to amount to a top three team. They've always been four, five, six. I think they need to do something in the off season where mm-hmm. they make the big leap to get somebody who's a big name. Victor 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 Oladipo is a star on that team. I think when they lost uh, Bogdanovich to the Jazz, mm. I think you lost a perennial like you lost a great shooter. And I think that what I think I think when you're when you look at it, I think with the addition of Malcolm Brogdon, it's made it a little bit better. But I still feel like you're going to need to take that next step if you want to win a championship. You need to find a big name somewhere in the market which I have I have no doubt they will but I feel like if Nate Mc, if Nate McMillan wants to jump from just being a middle of the pack team that makes the playoffs to being a contender I think he's going to need to make a, a big move in the offseason just got to call the front office up and start making some calls <laughs>